turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. You're here with me and Larry Jones, and we have a guest today I am yeah. so excited about. Good to be with you, Dr. Mark. Good We've got a good you. show today. Yeah. Well, let's let you me, introduce our guest. Okay. Let me introduce Carlos Acosta. Carlos is a Senior Director of Business Solutions with Bioreference Laboratories, and I'm, we're going to talk a lot about that today. Great. But, you know, up until now, we've been on the air two years, Dr. Mark. I don't think we've had a lab executive on the show yet. No, we haven't, because yep. you understand my confusion. I thought you were talking about a Labrador, <laughs> and I was like, you know, why would we have a Labrador on the show? We're not you talking about lab. animals, Dr. No, Mark. No, okay. So this makes good sense. <laughs> I can Carlos, see the welcome. confusion. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you for yeah. having us. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'm glad we clarified that up right up front. <laughs> I bet it happens a lot when you introduce yourself at parties, you know, yeah. so uh, you might be even more popular if you added that in, so, you know, as a side <laughs> business, so it would be good. Carlos came up from Miami to join us today, so. Oh, wow, thanks for the uh, travel. We're excited to have him. He's going to be on the whole show today. Excellent. And we'll go back and forth with a lot of things, but, you know, we've we've talked so many shows about testing, getting right. your annual wellness visit. Oh yeah, we talk about lipid panels, labs, and all that. I mean, we talk, that's the the part of you know, the way it to is. stay healthy is yeah, to stay ahead is. of certain things, right? So yeah. hopefully today we're going to give our listeners a little back behind the scenes look at what the lab industry is all about. Sure, because right now all they see is the needle coming yeah. at them and <laughs> don't know what's going yeah. in those different vials. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And Carlos, we want to start by. Talking a little bit about bioreference and what your responsibilities, a little bit of your background, but let me give three stats that I think are very important for our listeners to understand. There are labs in America, and whether you're in an independent lab right. or it's by a, pharma, a physician practice, they're called CLIA, Clinical Laboratory Improvement Amendment. That was the the federal legislation that allowed for laboratories in America. Yeah, so that certifies that this certified is actually lab. a certified medical laboratory. Right. Correct. Very important. There are 260,000 of these CLIA labs certified in America. Right, right. And it blew me away when I found out that if you look at total diagnostic testing in America, right, 14 billion last year. Right, Dr. right. Mark. I mean, you think about the, the financial... Yeah. part of that, right? Because these tests come in all sorts of shapes and all sorts of yeah. expenditures necessary. But fourteen billion—that's that's pretty incredible. Well, you figure three hundred and thirty million Americans. Right. Divide that into fourteen billion. Yeah. And how many actual labs is that per capita? Yeah. Yeah. No, we do not do math on the show. Don't Carl, do by the way, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't. But but no, it's a, that is a tremendous and a tremendously yeah. large industry. Yes. I mean the the. I, mean, I don't know if we're going to talk a little bit about that part of it we as are. we go along, yes. but the finances of it and how it all fits in is yep. it's a huge part of what we talk about exactly. medical care. So, Carlos, tell us a little bit about you and the, your background and a little bit about bioreference. Absolutely. So um been in the industry for a little bit over 30 years. Um, wow. Seems very long time and been with bioreference a you little don't bit look over. You do that old, Carlos. <laughs> they, they have a special kindergarten class that gets you rocked in how to be a CEO. Yeah, I got kicked out. It didn't work out for me, but no, yeah. I'm sure you were there. I went through that extended program on that one. So. Yeah. Um, but basically, I oversee their business solutions uh, department. We specialize mm-hmm. uh, in many areas, but I focus pretty much in the southeast and uh, in Florida, and uh, hence our great relationship with Larry and, right. and your organization uh, and the services we provide here in Florida. Um, and Bioreference, who is Bioreference? Bioreference is one of the largest full-service uh, laboratories here in the United States. Um, we offer comprehensive test solutions in multiple areas as oncology, urology, and women's health, and a scientific expertise in 40-plus 
year legacy on scientific excellence. Uh, It grew organically, which is pretty unique nowadays for 30 years, particularly Mm -hmm. in the environment we're in with all this consolidation in healthcare and in other areas. Um, Do you have actual physical labs like a LabCorp or Quest? How does bioreference work? So very similar when it comes to footprint. We have uh, laboratories throughout the United States Mm -hmm. between the east and the west coast. And in Florida, we're actually just a little bit west of where we are right now in Melbourne. It's our second largest laboratory in the United States. Okay. Um, And we offer patient service centers uh, in all 50 states, including here in Florida, uh, spread across the entire state. So it gives patients access uh, to their uh, lab tests when a provider orders. The beauty about our... um, our patient service centers is we monitor them. So there's no more than a maximum of a 20 minute wait for a patient when they come oh, into wow. one of our oh, centers. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. It can be pretty well, hit or miss. Know, uh, let's town, let's talk about that for a minute because if, if our listeners are, and I in particular, I went to quest to get my labs done a couple months ago, waiting, you know, prior to my annual wellness visit in April, actually right. this pat this month. I waited 45 minutes, and there had to be 25 people sitting in the waiting yeah, room. Yeah, it's, it's very hit or miss, you know, yeah. and, and especially in today's employment situation where, you know, you've got to know you have somebody that has that skill set yep. that's going to show up that yep. day. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. And, and it, it made me understand when I did the research on lab, if there's 14 billion tests being performed, right. no wonder there's a lot of people in these labs. Yeah, and, a lot, and I tell you, the from the litigious side of medicine, more labs over the decades have been ordered. I mean, and 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 from the technology side, I'm sure. So yeah, that number I'm sure has, has grown exponentially. Yeah. And if yeah. you're speaking numbers um, for bioreference, we serve about 6.5 million unique patients every wow. year. Wow. Okay. We process over 20 million lab specimens a year. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. For 24,000 healthcare providers nationwide. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that number, we we are able to provide a great service uh, to a bulk of our Right, population. Right. Yeah, I wonder if it's probably not that common that one patient, one lab, right? Because we're talking about even when you do an analysis of electrolytes, you're that's more than one test, right? Correct. Correct. Yep, so that's that would be that that makes that number keep growing and growing. So it makes makes good sense. Now you also do things like when when patients go in and they have a in office test like a swab or something mm-hmm. is that something that you guys work with absolutely they send those specimens out we have a network of, of, of logistics based across the 50 states and if right. we reference to Florida alone uh, it's a pretty complex network so our couriers our own uh, staff will go by each physician office every mm-hmm. afternoon every evening based on their need for a pickup and we pick up the mm-hmm. samples whether it's uh, a swab as you mentioned whether it's a specialty in women's health uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's infectious diseases or your regular uh, blood vials, right. uh, our our complex network uh, provides that service throughout what, the whole country. So, what percentage of is, is that versus just the stuff that is is in your labs and walk ins yeah. that do it in your sites? The larger percentage is a, is an office pickup, yeah, physician right. referral. Yeah, yeah. the That's physician. Every order has to come yeah. with a physician order, obviously. Sure. So, whether it's at a patient service center mm-hmm. or whether it's at the physician's office, right. but the bulk of our business is really the service we provide, picking right. up at the physicians or the health care provider's office. Okay, so, so, and that CLIA certification has to extend to that physician's office? So, or? no, the CLIA certification is based on the testing facilities. Oh, okay. So, we have a network of regional labs, uh, you know, throughout the country, uh, our main in Elmwood Park, Florida, and based on those, most of our facilities are also not only CLIA, but we're CAP certified, which is College of American Pathologists. So, those are the right. entities that regulate and assure that the standards of quality are to the utmost yeah. Uh, standards and that applies to the actual testing facilities. The patient service centers, where a patient comes in and has their blood drawn, fall under some other regulatory requirements, which right. some of them would be under DERM and and things of that nature, based on every county or every city. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, but also there are physician-owned CLIA labs within their own offices Correct. as well. We call you those POLs. Okay, we, uh, those are physicians-operated laboratories, which fall under a different category, and normally. Those would be for networks of physicians and large medical group where they would provide and do their testing for within their network only, unlike a laboratory like ourselves where we're Mm -hmm. on independent reference laboratories where we can accept from multiple sources. Well, I would guess, and we've talked a little bit about Stark Laws on other shows, and that probably has a a part of that. So if the physician owns that entity, 85% of the volume 
has to be from their own office, from right? within yeah, their network, so, because it be, it's a it's a service to their patients, right? It makes right, it something easier, right. so that should improve access well, to care. Now, if a physician CLIA lab is performing, in other words, I can think of a couple. If you're a very large primary care practice, you might have a CLIA lab, or if you're ENT, for instance. You might have a large CLIA And there's lab. also what's called, Larry, look, some mm-hmm. of these CLIA wave tests, where okay. the rapid test where some physicians want what we call point of care. Right. You know, you can do a urine strip. You can check, you know, a blood glucose monitoring to right. be mm-hmm. able to be uh, very rapid to give to diagnose a patient strip on test, the spot. Like the rapid strip. Correct. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And those would be to fall under yeah. like what we call CLIA waiver. Right. Mm-hmm. And so forth. But Okay. Interesting. Yep. This is a good view. You know, I think our many times our listeners have wondered, well, I gave that specimen. So how does the doctor get the results as fast as he does? That's actually, that's a great yeah. question. Yeah. And not only the doctor, but even the physicians nowadays with, mm-hmm. with patient portals. So uh, most, I would say over 90% of physicians use electronic health records sure. or electronic mm-hmm. medical record software. Yeah. So... Part of his routine when he's with that patient, you know, ordering whatever it is, his, you know, their blood pressure, all they do is when they order their blood work there, it electronically transfers over uh, to us if it's one of our healthcare providers. Right, right. And that order is received already electronically at the lab. So when that sample comes in with a barcode, everything is uploaded and it's that simple. And as every department, based on the patient's test, whether it's, let's say, as simple as a CBC, mm-hmm. or as you mentioned, you know, a, a urine test, right. um, those results go automatically back into the patient's chart within the physician's or the healthcare provider's electronic medical record system. Yeah, I guess depending on what the results, what we're looking for, the patients may have access to that immediately, or there might be a delay. I mean, I guess there's some more sensitive. So testing. we have, as most labs do nowadays, they offer patient portals. Right. We have a very robust patient portal, and that patient portal um, helps that patient within their healthcare piece, and they have access to that. There's a few days delay before that patient can see his results yep. prior to the physicians viewing it and analyzing so the it. Physician will click reviewed, yep. and that sort of opens the access to the uh, patient? Or? It's, it's, it's usually a delay on, on time frame. So it's three okay. or five days, depending right. yeah. on what it is. I was going to say one to three days. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. is correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and that, and that helps um, for our listeners because you, they may, you may go in and have certain tests and you say, well, why can't you do all the tests right here? Well, right. The, the, the laboratory equipment necessary for these tests That's is right. enormously expensive. Yes. And as importantly, it's got to be kept up to snuff where the results can be trusted. All the regulatory stuff has to be up to date. But I have noticed that that patients have access more easily and more quickly in this decade than they did a decade ago. And, you know, we talked about that with with HIPAA compliance and and, and such, like how it was being protected, but it's these portals that really offer that protection, right? I mean, correct. And these portals are very robust. We have a very robust portal. You know, I usually call it sometimes, you know, we have some of these patients that go to Dr. Google now, right? Yeah, yeah. So having a robust portal, educating that patient and sending him Aligning him with the healthcare provider, we believe, is very. It's a very strong. No, uh, definitely, piece. definitely. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how the the patients don't really have the choice of, of what lab their stuff is going to, right? So, what you know, we don't have to jump into that because we're going to go out to break. But yeah. that's something yeah. uh, when we get back, we can chat about. Yeah, and and also we're going to talk a little bit about how laboratory tests are performed and also regulated Sounds in good. the U.S. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You're back in the Healthcare Now studios. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we have a guest today, Carlos Acosta. And uh, Carlos is teaching us all we need to know about labs from the inside out. Uh, when we when we took the break, we were starting to talk about the patient access. And let, let me know, what, what should our listeners know about their labs? So I think it's important for the listeners uh, to overall be engaged in their health and informed about what their healthcare provider is Absolutely. ordering, it's particularly when it comes to lab tests. I think patients can find some sense of comfort when they know that their healthcare provider has confidence in that laboratory that they utilize. Um, Also, they should be aware of the role that the labs play in the larger healthcare landscape. Um, As we mentioned earlier, if we didn't, almost 70% of all healthcare decisions 
are made based yeah. off lab results. Yep. Yeah, I think uh-huh. we were talking that before the show. Yeah, the 70%, we were. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's a it's a large number. So when your doctor orders labs for you, um, it's important that that patient be proactive in getting their lab orders filled. If the provider does not offer specimen collections in their office, then be proactive in following up with your healthcare provider about those results. And as we were talking before going on the break, almost all labs have patient portals. And this allows patients to see their results, sometimes obtain additional information that might be worthwhile to speak about, you know, with their healthcare provider. So I think the key is, is patient engagement. Yes. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yep. Now, so, I mean, you, you brought up a really important point. So as a provider, when I order something... You know, I'm really thinking in my mind that it's going to get done, right? And as a patient, I'm handed a script for labs, right. and I don't necessarily head right to the lab. You know, yeah. you know, so so I'm as guilty as anyone else. But that is for a message for yeah. you know how do I take care of myself? Yeah. That's one way. If you've got tests, whether they be labs or radiology, there should be a reason those were ordered. So get them done. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mark, the most optimum way to do that, if you if you're established with a primary care physician, mm-hmm. which we ask our our listeners to Absolutely. do, and you get your annual wellness done in the month of your birthday mm-hmm. every year, what my physician that, does—that's what Larry does, by the way—and all of our <laughs> listeners right. know yeah. it. That's right. That's right. But but prior to my visit, a couple weeks before, I get a form for the labs. Right. I go in and have the labs done. And he gets the results about a week before my no, that's, visit. And when I go in, he's got all the data. You know, that that's really great because more often people go in for their wellness visit and, and they leave with the later. script. That's and right. then you really you might not, it might be near a year. Or, or it they may, may call you and say, second, second visit. visit, which is that's not right. covered as, right. as a visit on your insurance, right. right? So that's, that's an right. additional visit. Yeah. So that is, uh, that's probably something that the offices can help with and yes. say, hey, listen, this is yes. what we need you to do. And, and we're seeing a lot of shift in the PCP environment also where now the offices are providing the blood draws within oh, the offices right. yeah. because yeah. it's really minimizing, it's closing that gap on sure. those patients who leave with that script and yep. then now say, well, I really don't have to go back till next year or did, I didn't get a follow-up with that wellness. Right. Right. So we're seeing a lot of that expanding a little bit in the physician's office so that they can really close that gap and get those lab results from those yeah. patients when they came in with that wellness with. So, Carlos, how often should people have labs done? Well, I, I think that's between them and their healthcare provider. But we okay. all know that you know your wellness visit is very important. So it'll start there once a year, obviously, um, to go through your wellness visit, right. and then based on any chronic conditions or any uh, diagnosis that these patients have sure. between them and their health provider, they might be doing some follow up and some checkups, oh, whether sure. it's cardiovascular, whether it's di- <clears throat> you know diabetes, and that would be between them and their healthcare provider. Yeah. And some you know some patients will be doing it multiple times a year just yeah. just for monitoring yeah. purposes. Well, yeah, correct. We, ta- we talked about checking. Your A1C and 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 part of what our organization does is make sure that the primary care providers are able to contact their patients and get those things done. Now, let me ask you about insurance, right? Because obviously there are competitors out there, and some insurances align themselves. How, how does that work? Because the 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 client, the patient, doesn't really have any input there. Correct. So I, I think insurances, you know, look to uh, bring within their network, you know, uh, highly qualified and certified laboratories. So right. um, within the state of Florida and even without the country, we're in network with the largest carriers, you know, the Humana's, the Cigna's. We're preferred with United Healthcare. Mm-hmm. So we're very, we have a very broad coverage. Um, and a lot of the, the payers align themselves with the, with laboratories based on quality, comprehensive test menus, specialty, and things of that nature. Sure. Um, so a lot of times, based on that patient's and their personal plan, there's a, a set of in-network labs that usually the provider will utilize for them because it minimizes their out-of-pockets, minimizes yep. their deductibles and things yep. of that nature, you know, staying yep. within, the, within the network. Yeah. Carlos, yeah. what we find is, particularly with some of the larger payers, some of their narrow networks, like their ACA, HMO product, they may capitate labs with like a Quest or a LabCorp or maybe even you. Correct. And then that forces that member to go mm-hmm. to that lab if they don't want to have to pay out of pocket. And one of the big downsides is, as we get information, we'll have listeners call us and ask, oh, I got this bill. Yep. You can walk into your your doc who may work for a bigger organization and they have all these services, which is fantastic. You know, you, you don't you, you can get your blood drawn while you're waiting to see the doctor. Right. Correct. But if they don't do it correctly, 
and they send it to the lab that they prefer to send it to as an organization as opposed to your insurance, you can really get stuck with a, a interesting bill or, or negotiation of a bill, right? Correct, correct. And again, payer access isn't my specialty, but I think when you give a healthcare provider mm-hmm. and you give a patient choice, you're opening up that ability to them when they have choice to be oh, able to sure. choose from multiple qualified laboratories where they would like to yeah. uh, get their laboratory yeah. test done. Well, I do know that uh, on the in the lab side, copays for patients is significantly lower than it would be in the imaging or even pharma. That is piece. correct. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. many times it's, it's free. N- yeah, it's usually yeah. free. Yeah. It's usually yeah. free. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge going forward with these narrow networks is that they they're not necessarily picking the lab they know or the lab they know is the That's best, right. right? They're they're having to negotiate those pieces and not to, you know, bash any of the other groups. Yeah. But, I mean, that that would be a concern. Yeah. And, and it's, it's yeah. happened to me when I've walked in and said, man, this is so easy. And then I get this yeah. crazy bill. I'm like, well, yeah. what what is this for? This was my right. wellness visit. These right. are all my yearly labs that yeah. I get. And so... I would I would tell our uh, listeners to check into that. No, it's it's like everything else. You're not going to go in now. If you check into the physician and they don't take your insurance, they're going to tell you, right? Correct. Because it's going to be a two way street of who doesn't get paid. You're probably going to sign a form saying you're responsible if your insurance doesn't cover it. Exactly. So so this when when we do bring the physicians, if they're in part of that access side, and there's there certainly can they can bill insurance for the procedure for the phlebotomy for taking you know taking the labs. Mm Then they're not necessarily all in sync if they if they're sending you over to LabCorp and your your insurance doesn't doesn't right. cover at LabCorp. Right. Let me go back. Uh, I know that we've just come through a three year pandemic, Carlos. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> how did the lab industry fare during the pandemic? So that's an interesting question, and um, it was drastic, just like every other industry. It was a major impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw, uh, the entire industry saw, a huge reduction in what we call your base business, right? Okay. We, we shut down. Everybody pivoted on the healthcare yep. side to telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I mean, kudos goes off to this industry. They did such a spectacular job to pivot in such a short time and stand up platforms to be able to provide PCR COVID testing uh, within weeks Right, uh, uh, the industry, mm-hmm. and I think they responded very strongly uh, to the pandemic that we have in their in their reaction and able to be able to stand up testing so quickly to be able to provide it to sure. to our country. How did it work overall economically for the companies? Were there were there new companies that were born, or were there a lot of companies that got knocked off? Or I, I think it was dual. You you had you know the the major players in the country uh, as us and our other uh, competitors. You know the top five, the LabCorps, the Quest, the Sonics. Everybody did a great job in pivoting Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to set up these platforms and provide PCR testing. And then you have some of the new players that came in and got some of the uh, cityer state yeah. contracts, but BioReference did such a spectacular job. We 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 supported the first drive-through COVID drive-through in the in the wow. country in nice. New Rochelle, upstate New York. That was oh, big, nice. yeah. yeah. And one of the the second or third to follow was down in Miami uh, that we also supported. Right. So BioReference did a great job supporting uh, the the industry and supporting our patients to be yeah. able to provide you know, access. Dr. Mark, in our market, some of the big boys actually closed some labs. Oh, they closed a lot of labs. A lot of labs yeah. all over Orlando. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to kind of well, speak to that? Well, I mean, a lot of that was workforce, right? Yeah. And and yeah. then and okay. then the other part was just like if you, you know, a, a fast food place could keep their drive-through open, you had to have yep. an ability in your lab draw area to have one patient, one provider. You cannot have a waiting room, right? So, so there was right. all sorts of things set up. Uh, I mean, because I did experience one one lab for family that okay. during that period and it was it was a whole whole different play yeah down. and i think yeah. when you refer to closing their labs you're referring to closing their patient service center their draw sites Correct. which sure. they did sure. and bioreference did such a our leadership did, did such a spectacular job that we went out with a program called scarlet so we were performing covid testing out in in patients' homes, nice. we actually uh, partnered with the NBA, yep. the mm-hmm. NFL, and we were able with with the travel industry, and we were providing COVID testing yep. to be able to bring normality yep. back to everyday yep. life. Get the MLS. Able, yeah. I'm a big MLS fan. Yeah, also, okay. See, there I didn't want to leave them out. Right, I didn't leave them out. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Oh, you know, talk about the Scarlet program because I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it's, it's Scarlet Health is uh, one of the programs we launched uh, through that phase too, which really is a digital platform to be able to provide at home lab draws uh, for patients. So mm-hmm. the provider really doesn't do anything uh, 
it doesn't vary it from his regular workflow process. Just like as he's picking a CBC or a comprehensive metabolic right. or a lipid, you know, in his EMR, he keeps one more code, which is called Scarlet. That generates an electronic order, and it's uh, we kind of and it generates that order to the patient. So the patient will get a text message, and mm-hmm. you know, are you Jane Doe? Yes, uh, and they schedule, right. uh, and it's kind of like. Uh, you know, we live in an on-demand society. Yes. So when that's uh, generated and when that's scheduled, that patient will get, you know, a little map just uh, with a little car. Like if you're waiting for your Uber of when that, uh, that, right. that phlebotomist is coming to their house. No. What's the name Scarlet? Is there a significance between choosing that name? You know? uh, that credit goes to our digital team and our yeah. CIO. So I know okay. there was, a, there was, a, there was something, something behind there. it. Something there. Okay, good. I know good. when they first came out with that, obviously April, our director of network, she was all over that Scarlet program yeah, that's with right. our physicians and yeah. made sure she introduced it to all of our doctors. Yeah. And, right. and we, we, we transition also, too, into your basic home services. So we do provide home phlebotomy services, particularly in the Florida area, mm-hmm. uh, something a lot of our competitors do not do. I mean, we're very patient and very physician-centric. We're, uh, our parent company is Opco Health, which is run by Dr. Phil Frost. So there's a lot of focus on patient and mm-hmm. physicians. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So that's something. So if, if a physician wants to order that today, you know, post-pandemic, are there requirements? Does the patient have to have a, a disability that there makes more difference? Or is it just part of just an option? It's it's just a, a complement of a service that we provide to our healthcare oh, providers. So, so no upcharge, no nothing. That's, yeah, Correct. That's, that's fantastic. No, I didn't know about that. That's very helpful to be, be aware of. Because, I mean, people that they do, that's one of the reasons they don't get their labs done, right? So that's one of the reasons we'll write the script and then they come back in for their follow-up and they haven't done it. If they could do it from home... Yeah, that would be that would be really helpful. Dr. Mark, in 2021, the U.S. lab industry in America was estimated about two hundred two billion dollars. It's expected to go up about four percent a year over the next few years. Mm -hmm. So really, when you look at a four point six trillion dollar market lab testing, while it may be one of the most important pieces to diagnostic and evaluation of patients, it's really one of the lower cost Interesting. Interesting. In healthcare, very well, small spend. Carlos, yeah. I've, lear- I've learned a lot about the industry already, and that's, uh, I mean, that's really the, the use of our show is to educate our listeners, but I think, you know, most of the time it educates us just it as does. well, so it it's really pretty exciting. Does. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. You found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones, and we have a guest here today, Carlos Acosta. Carlos has been teaching us about uh, labs, and I think we're going to uh, pick up on this uh, segment, talk a little bit more about it. Yes, absolutely. You know, what we want to talk about, Carlos, is what are the most common lab tests performed in America and kind of go through that for us. So as a full service laboratory, BioReference performs almost in all fields of medicine. So it's really difficult to pinpoint the most common lab orders because that will vary from discipline to discipline. So for example, we do high volume of routine clinical tests. So this would be your heart health, your general wellness, as we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, and organ system functions. And then when you're talking about women's health, which is a large part of bioreferences business and specialty areas, then you're talking about uh, sexually transmitted infections, prenatal care that an OBGYN would order. And we do a lot of that as well. And then when, if you go into the oncology field, um, you have all of the complex cancer and genomic testing, which includes next generation sequencings and the like. So these tests are much more complex and bioreference has created a special division called Gen path that focuses on these types of tests. Okay. So as you can see, it, it varies from discipline to discipline sure. depending on the specialties uh, and areas that we're focusing yeah. on. You know, Dr. Mark can probably answer this, but I certainly can't. What's the difference between normal testing and molecular testing? So it's the platforms that these testing are run, but I'll let Dr. Mark. No, no, no this there. is your show. This is your show. You <laughs> just, just jump in there. But, but yeah, I mean, well, it's a, they're that separate Gen path is looking at a much more complex and, and more importantly, a very different type of technology, right? So, I mean, I think the, the chemistry-type testings that we've done for many years or the ELISA testings and, and whatnot are, have become very standard, whereas the genomic testing is – we're still learning about that. So, right. so, so is for, genomic testing molecular testing? 
Is that kind of used? Uh, some people, it's the cellular. I mean, okay. I don't know, what, okay. What's the lingo in the industry? Is that yeah. does so that make you, sense? You you have your mass spectrometry, you have your molecular, and then there's a lot of focus right now in genetics because mm-hmm. the genetics sure. piece can really identify, particularly in cancer mm-hmm. and in, mm-hmm. in the oncology area, right. um, specific forms. And if, if yeah. it's hereditary right. or inhereditary, so a lot of advancement in the technology continues mm-hmm. to advance. Sure, sure, sure. And yeah. the reason I brought that up, Dr. Mark, we've had a... a company approach us molecular testing on uti uh, mm-hmm. and you know uti in a dementia or elderly patients can turn into sepsis and right. and create quite a morbidity i mean that's one of the leading causes of people dying at older age is sepsis right so and yeah so, for your analysis yeah if they look it, at the chemistry they're looking at the ph they're looking at the you know the density and they're looking at okay. uh, things like that whereas on the molecular testing they're looking for components i would assume that like ketones uh, bacteria, white blood cells, th- okay. that's molecular. More so, like a culture then. Uh, not necessarily. No, not yeah, necessarily? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, 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 the deeper we get into this, the more confusing it'll get. Exactly. But, but, each, <laughs> but that is telling you, you could take a urine sample and do basically all the types of testing that we're talking about. And depending on what you're looking for, you don't want to do that yeah. because you're increasing cost as you add these things. You want okay. to test for what you need to test for, right? right? So in the office, that Makes dipstick yeah. is just a, a chemical yeah. test. Uh, and it even even when it looks for white blood cells, it's not really looking for the white blood cells. It's looking for the leukoesterase that they produce. Okay, and so that's that's kind of the piece. See, I right? knew you'd know, you'd know about this stuff. Yeah, you know, it's getting late. You <laughs> but know? you know, one of the things when they came to us about this molecular testing of UTI, the way it was presented is that it gives the physician a better view of how to treat that patient. With that specific infection, yeah. is that appropriate? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that Carlos? goes that goes above above. Yeah, me. It sounds a, a little like marketing a, to me, but well, and and that's exactly how I felt about it. Okay, but, yeah, you know. well, correct. Yeah, yeah. All, all labs and and there's a lot of uh, focus right now on PCR testing in in, sure. in, in the U in the UA. Uh, portion of the lab. So uh, a lot of it is the technology and the method- methodology, and right. a lot of companies will spin that around to a marketing piece. Right. Uh, but the technology is out there. Well, I mean, there's a lot of information that you can derive, but it's not all clinically relevant. And I think that that's very important, to, you know, whenever you're looking at something new yeah. like that. I mean, some of the testing that's, that's it's landmark, right? And yeah. the genomic testing is probably going to take Every, take place of everything else eventually uh, because, you know, once we get the, the cost down and the specificities right because we're be able to do so much more, kind of goes alongside with the, on the therapy side, the monoclonal antibody mm-hmm. treatments of all the many different diseases right. will, are going to take the forefront. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, it's just, uh, that's the progress that we see. Yeah. So we need we need good, solid corporations like yours that's going to expand into those other spaces because it's, it's not yeah. cheap. You, you take right. that, that GenPath yeah. side, that's probably your most expensive part of the business. Yeah. And even if you focus on our 4K score test, um, it's a proprietary test for us. It's mm-hmm. in the men's department, and it has the ability to uh, prognose uh, metastatic prostate cancer oh. men 20 years out. Ooh. So it's a it's a great innovation. It's a great it's advancement. A genomic, uh, or, uh, yeah. No, it's, no, it's run on a different platform. Yeah. But those these are the innovations and things that our medical staff and our medical team comes up with. The 4K score is one of those examples. Yeah. And in, in, the, in the women's health space, as you were alluding to prior, mm-hmm. also many uh, proprietary tests and advances that, they, that our medical team focuses on to be able to provide better access and better treatment options for physicians. Interesting. So, so you're saying that this test can predict prostate cancer 20 years out? And it has a great marker on that Gleason score to be able to uh, assist a provider right. in diagnosing yeah. So I want to get too deep into this. Yeah. How, is that, how well, does that work? Well, it's probably a risk analysis, right? So if they okay. have a certain protein that is evident in their, I assume, blood, that, that they may be, have a much like higher likelihood of progressing on onto yeah. cancer. So okay. so I assume that all these get FDA. There, it's an FDA-approved so, test, right. but I would love yeah. to be invited back and bring yeah. our 4K es- experts, and we can talk about that because I think that would be, really be a important. great topic. Uh, absolutely that would. Important. Absolutely yeah. would. No, I like that. That's you a great know, idea. When we talk about legislative and regulatory, there's also, aside from the CLIA, there's also what they call – PAMA regulations, which has to deal with Medicare, and it's protecting access to the Medicare Act that came into play in 2014. Carlos, you want to talk a little bit? Because evidently, that reduced significant testing for Medicare beneficiaries across the country. Correct. So uh, I'm limited in that space, but you're absolutely correct. Um, It was put on a pause during COVID. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but whether what the regulation is trying to do is reduce every year what laboratory testing fee reimbursement is. And it's having a very negative impact on the industry because, as you know, to be able to innovate, to develop, and to provide quality services, you we can't go and continue to reduce the rates that the laboratories are being reimbursed for. So, so are um, they also like saying like, certain things are just not covered that used to be covered? or It's more, from my knowledge, more around a fee reduction phased out throughout certain years. It's a certain percentage so, that, right. that fee okay. is which, being which, reduced. Which we in the biz call what everybody sees from that group. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. As, so as, as everything that, else gets more expensive, yeah. this gets less so, reimbursed. So Mark, what, what Dr. Mark's mentioning is, is Medicare denying these labs or is there certain specifics? No, there? it's not a denial. It's just okay. a reduction in fee as we all have to address in, in, in the healthcare, right? Even mm-hmm. in, the, sure. in the primary care, right? Yeah. Rates are being reduced. They, they are. Yeah. We're expected, we're all expected to do more, mm-hmm. right? A primary care physician is very, uh, very difficult for them to survive on their own, right? Hence Larry's organization that brings all these brings right. all these physicians together. To, in the value-based to, world. In, in the value-based yep. Yep. world. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we're expected to do more with less. Absolutely, um, and right. PAMA kind of uh, addresses that where they're reducing the fees for the laboratory industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to resist the temptation to go further into that because you know you, we say that everybody's getting less, and everybody isn't getting less. No, but the people that we're talking mm. about are getting less. So, so now I've, I've learned another group that's in the same boat as the providers, and that would be the you know the fo- folks that are doing clinical lab testing. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's in, and I I suspect that the lobby. Of, of the organizations like yours is not that great. Just like it's not that, you know, we don't have For a big lobby. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's, it's you would sort think of the all... American Medical Association would have a big lobby, but it's nowhere close to the American Hospital well, you, Association. We, we don't do math and we don't talk about the American Medical Association. <laughs> that's, right. that's two of our rules. So two of our rules. Uh, that's just, true. Because that's not going to go anywhere well, you know. But, uh, right. but no, but that that is interesting. And it's, I would say that would be a pretty good talking point when we talk every year about where Medicare is going. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure it affects Medicaid as well. Yeah, I just say it's obvious. Every, um, and our, our entire industry is being affected along sure. the same line. So the laboratory in- industry is no different than the other providers and other segments so, of our industry. So the commercial side of the industry does production and growth, and they're looking for new things. Um, what about the academic side, like uh, things that are coming out of the universities that are not coming from commercial side? Is that a big contributor to what's next in laboratory testing? So it depends on a lot of these universities, as you mentioned, are academic. So a lot of development that they do there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the commercial labs also, uh, as us, have, you know, large R&D departments. Sure. And always trying to enhance, you know, testing yeah. and improve yeah. what we're offering to yeah. clinicians. Uh, I'm sure there's some partnerships yeah. and, and that kind of thing that of goes course. forward. And particularly because, with clinical right. trials and things right. of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, when it gets down to it, you can, it, whether you're an academic institution or you're a, a clinical laboratory company, you'd need the patients, right? So you need access. So there's a lot of partnering that goes on for, for all this clinical testing. So, you know, really, really important to see the groups work together to continue to develop right. what's, what's the right next thing. Yeah. Well, you know, considering people over 40, age 40 in America have at least one chronic illness and people over age 60 have at least two. When you're talking about the burden of chronic illnesses and the growing demand for diagnostic testings, it seems like the lab industry is in pretty good form. Right. They're keeping up. And, and you, we'll, we would do a comparison between the lab industry and pharma. Yep. And, you know, pharma is a much bigger number to deal with. But it's the same kind of things. If they're getting reimbursed less, they're doing less studies. Yep. On the other hand, you know, when they come up with a new drug, the potential for profit there is magnitudes greater Huge. than a new test, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the profit margin just isn't there. You may come up with something that's really new and cool, and it might eliminate some other tests that need to be yeah. done, but but nobody is making making the yeah. the same bang for the buck as pharma. And that's interesting. You know, I didn't bring up the point that what is the profits in lab today? Carlos, I don't know if you can speak to that. All I can say as far as my, you know, they're they're minimal. Um, mm-hmm. They're very minimal. They're, they, they face strong headwinds, and PAMA is one of those examples of the headwind that the right. industry right. as a whole right. uh, is experiencing in the lab industry. So um, definitely some strong headwinds is what I would say. Okay. Now, your your company is a private company? Uh, we're a publicly traded company. Publicly traded company. Correct, on the okay. NASDAQ. We're, uh, our parent company is Opco Health, mm-hmm. uh, which is a large uh, international pharmaceutical and R&D organization. Okay. 
Have you heard that? Opco Health? Yes, our, our Opco Health's corporate headquarters are in uh, Miami, Florida, and our Bioreference okay. Laboratories corporate headquarters are in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, excellent, okay. excellent. Well, that, that's really good to know because we do we talk a lot about these industries that are that, that the primary care doctors rely upon, and certainly laboratory is a huge one. Huge. Um, and then pharma, even bigger. But it's interesting to see the different level of reimbursements and politics and things that go into this. And that, that's yep. a lot of what we do on the show is mm-hmm. sort of bring bring all that piece together. Um, I mean, it's really great to learn more about that that laboratory side. Yeah, this is a good view. Uh, you know, and the message to our listeners are not only get your annual wellness visit, get your labs done, and make sure you have a baseline to move forward with. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You have found Dr. Mark and Larry Jones back in the Healthcare Now studios, and we have Carlos Acosta with us. Larry, give yep. the full, we didn't really give the full yep. intro in the top of the hour. Yeah, Carlos is the Senior Director of Business Solutions with Bioreference Lab. He's been in the lab industry for about 30 years sure. and uh, came up from Miami to join us today. And we're going to, we've kind of ended our discussion on labs. We're right. going to talk about some more things that kind of relate to it in many regards. But, Carlos, if you'll stay with us for this segment. It'd be a pleasure. And you Thank can you. jump in there. Yep, and we may put you on the spot just because that's fun. It's, <laughs> that's, a, good, it's a fun thing what to you do. do here. Yeah, it's what yeah, we do. It's, it's what we, absolutely yeah. what we do. But, all right, well, let's uh, jump in. We we talked about this a week or so ago. Yep. We got started on some of the things like, you know, how how can you – be healthier. I mean, yep. I think that's a common question. How do you question, improve your you health know? and lower your cost of health care? Right. You know, yep. most of the time, if you got your Instagram feed, it's going to tell you what you, all the hundreds of things that you can't eat and how, my, how many push-ups you need to do. That's and th- right. this is different, yep. right? This yep. is, if you can sit down and make an assessment of what you've been doing, what are the things you yep. can really stay on top of, Larry? And, you know, we're not all trim and fit like military Dr. Mark over <laughs> here. I don't know. I don't know. Carlos just looks like he's keeping Carlos up. Carlos is well. in pretty yeah. good shape, yeah. too. Yep. 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 If only this was television. If it yeah. was only yeah, television. That's right. that's right. It's never going to be. So. But anyway, I think the know, cameras would be focused on your side over there, Dr. Know. Mark. I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, uh, continued discussion on how do you lower your individual health care costs mm-hmm. yet improve your overall health? And particularly a better quality of life and better outcomes, Dr. Mark. Right, because people, when we tell them that you need to do this, 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 and they're just seeing dollar yep. signs, yep. and they're thinking, I've got less to, to money to live on. How am I going to contribute right. to my health? Right. But number one, it's incredibly important, yep. it and, is. You, and you need to delegate yep. that, yep. You, you know, that yep. some of the money towards it. Exactly. And number two, many, many, many of these things are going to be covered by your yep. healthcare insurance, Absolutely. whether you're on the ACA or you have a private plan. Yep. And so there, there are certain things. So, so well, we talk about... You it's know, interesting, too. Let me mention yeah. something there. Mm-hmm. When we're working with a lot of our value-based programs, not only just the Medicare side, but on the commercial side, many of these payers incentivize yes. members with, with uh, Visa cards, yep. all kinds of things to get a certain test done. Well, didn't we talked about that too? Like even yeah. for a period of time, the groups were giving away uh, free healthcare memberships. Yes. And what they saw was that the only people that used it were the people that were already going to the gym. That's right. But if you incentivized and said, if you go and participate, we're going to give you, yeah. you know, a five dollar yeah. gift card to your favorite right. coffee shop. Right. Right. That would actually kind of move the needle a bit. Yeah. And so I think that's that's something that we're going to see yeah. in the future. I think marketing is starting to figure that out. It is. But but there are a lot of things that they're, they're just things on the list. And you could probably ask anybody who's, you know, 60 years old and they've got this down. They may have the dates yeah. sometimes change. Sure. But we talk uh, things like for breast cancer screening. Yeah. So currently still the idea is mammography over the age of 40. Correct. Right? And then all of these numbers change if you've got a family history. Um, or other contributing things that, that might make right. you more at risk. Right? Exactly. But that that's a big one. Now, well, breast cancer is a big one. Colon cancer is another one, big big one, Dr. Mark. You want to talk about that? Right. So you know, you see the the uh, advertisements for Cologuard, you yep. know, which is an at-home mm-hmm. test, but they also they say that you, know, that you can be tested if you're over 45, but if you have a history and family history of yep. it, that, that is not the test you should be doing. Right. You should be going to your right. primary care and getting set up for your colonoscopy. Right. Yeah, and I believe bit. that Cologuard test or a colonoscopy is good for three years. 
Well, again, it depends on the findings. Okay. Right? So, okay. Yeah. so the Cologuard, if you don't have a family history and you have a negative test, then mm-hmm. it's good for three years. Okay. If you have a positive test, you're going to go to colonoscopy. Right. The colonoscopy, if, you, if they find something on colonoscopy, depending on what they find, they may mm-hmm. say, you know, you're good for 10 years. Okay. I mean, if it's normal, but okay. we found something and it wasn't a cancer, so we need you to, you know, so those numbers do change it. a bit, right? Yep. yep. And then the the age at colonoscopy has been has bounced around a great deal yes, because yes. it was fifty. That's right. Right. And now it's forty five, and it used to be forty five if you had a family history. Yep. And there's yep. this gray area, so you really need to pay attention. And it it kind of goes to show you that this is this is a science, but it's inexact. Yep. Yep. And it's because you know as as organisms, we're all so very very different. Yeah. And you know, I was just seeing an article recently. They were talking about colon cancer and diagnosis, Mm -hmm. there has been a significant increase in colon cancer diagnosis between the ages of 20 and 40. Well, it's because we're looking for it, for one thing. Yeah. Right? So not necessarily... You know, late findings, yep. but but we're we're yep. getting a little smarter. We talked about genomics earlier, and there are a number of uh, genome tests that right. that recognize syndromes. That the syndromes kind of made sense, but we didn't know yep. what it was. So you can get that test done, right. and you can talk about right. you know what are you, what are you going to do with that information, yep. which we'll probably have to do a whole show on genomics sure, in, sure. in the future because it's it's got it's a double edged sword, yep. right? Because you you learn things that you don't necessarily know what to do. Yep. with those things. Yeah, now one of the big genomic testing centers, and Carlos, you may know this, is with Cleveland Clinic. It's called Foundation One. Mm-hmm. And they you can send, particularly in the cancer arena, they send a lot of that information up to Foundation One, and they do a complete genomic screening on you. Yeah, there there yeah. are different groups, um, different like ethnic groups and whatnot that have organizations. Usually um, they're nonprofits uh, that will reach out because the genomic findings are often located in certain genetic groups, and, and you don't need to, I don't want to say waste your time, but mm-hmm. spend your time outside of that group. So they, they create these organizations that, that to test for those different folks. Yeah. And, I mean, we've known things like cystic fibrosis. I mean, we've, we've had a good idea. Of that was yeah. that was a pretty, uh, I don't want to, you know, make, make, it wasn't easy in the beginning, yeah. but compared to some of the things that we're looking at now, we, we're getting a yeah. much, much, much yeah. deeper dive there. Yeah. And, you know, Carlos, you talked about... Uh, prostate cancer and PSA testing. Uh, you want to just kind of hit on that a little bit? So it's a, another important factor of, of your yearly screening, right? Uh, Absolutely. I, yep. Dr. Mark should know the, the requirements as far as age, but I, I believe after a certain age, it's 40. It's, it's 40. once age a year. Yeah. It's, it's part right. of that so, wellness. Right, right, for your clinical screening. And then the next question, which isn't well-defined, is when should you have your first PSA taken? And so, and your PSA, PSA number can be affected by smoking, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and that that check, if there's now, a family, that be family history, family history too, and family yeah. history, okay. Okay. you're more likely to yeah. pick something up. You know, you want to look for it earlier. Right. right. But but prostate cancer is just a really oddball because you know people typically don't die of prostate cancer, right? It's but very. Right. It's pretty rare. You can catch. You can. Yeah. yeah you can be diagnosed. No, it's well, yeah. well, sometimes yeah. it's not even cured. It's just okay. a slow a slow mover. Okay. Uh, but okay. but I don't want to offend anyone out there because there are people that absolutely have died of prostate oh, cancer. I know a couple people so, that So have. it's something yep. that, but like many of these cancers, almost all of them, early earlier, treatment, early, early, treatment detection. earlier, yeah. you know, know, much better chances. You know, one of the more well-known people, Tiger Woods' dad died of prostate cancer. Sure, absolutely. you remember that. He did, yep. he did. Yeah. So, you know, that, that when you pick these things up is a huge part of it. Family history, always very important. Cervical cancer, you know, pap smears yearly are the, yep. the way, to, the way yep. we usually see. And then depending on the finding, and I, I say mm-hmm. this because it can get really confusing if you hear that, oh, I just need to get my pap smear once a year. And, you know, but that's if it was negative, if it was okay, yep. right? If if your doctor has another plan for you because they found something on the pap smear of concern, because mm-hmm. that's usually going to be followed up by a repeat. Right. That you got to do that. Okay. You don't say no. Uh, it's once a year, so it's not. Yep. It, it depends on you know not just family history, but actually results. And I and and again, like you just mentioned, family history would be a big part part of that, Doctor Mark. Absolutely, absolutely. Cancer. So and and, and different uh, different conditions, and mm-hmm. you know we talk about viral viral issues and yep. exposures and that that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So so it's a big it's a big player there. And then in Florida, we talk about skin cancer risk all the time. We had Dr. Kathleen Zendel on our show just right. recently. Yep. And yep. so that's another one where an annual visit, and you even bump that up if you've got a family history. And so, I mean, and, and I think one of the things that keeps people from doing these tests is the fear of finding something, right? 
but there was just something uh, released in the news a few days ago about a new treatment for melanoma that has a lot of promise. I think I saw that. Yeah, so so when we're, you know, pay attention to those things because Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff, were you know people don't, don't want to know. Very common in Florida. Uh, it's very yeah. it's well it's very, it's yeah. really yeah. that's one of the skin cancers that's that's sort of nationwide. Yeah. It's nationwide. It's not necessarily right. just related right. to sun exposures, but True. very 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 deep yeah. into family history. Yeah. But if there's now a treatment, there there have been treatments for melanoma, but they're they're not not all that successful. But apparently yeah. this is going if to be. If you a remember when Dr. Kathleen Zendel was on the show, a dermatology group, she's a. Uh, a dermatologist practicing. I think they have four centers here in, that's in right. Orlando. Mm-hmm. We had asked her about skin cancer, and we were talking particularly about melanoma. And she made the comment, "Oh no, you can find melanoma on you where the sun don't shine." Oh you yeah, that? no question. Yeah, no question. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think people do. It's really the basal cells and the squamous cells that are yeah. more in the sun exposed areas yeah. that, that you yeah. worry about. Uh, then you know we talked about the you know chronic illness and the most common chronic illness is going to be diabetes, yes, right? Yes. And so folks with diabetes yep. have to have that sugar check quite often, right? Right. But right. when you don't have diabetes, when do you get evaluated? So, at Carlos, your, I would think that would be mo- one of the most common uh, lab tests performed in an annual visit. Correct. Well, oh, I, I don't know about the um, frequency of it, but we know, as Dr. Mark mentioned, um, diabetes is one of the largest areas of chronic disease that we sure. have. I think when you look at uh, CMS's numbers, um, there's, it falls into three buckets, right? Diabetes, chronic kidney disease, and, and heart disease. Yep. Um, I think it's the numbers are somewhere just under maybe 30% of the population uh, have one of those three yeah, all comers uh, uh, yep. conditions in in the Medicare population or CMS, but it accounts for more than seventy percent of the actual spend of yeah. CMS funding. Yeah. So, you know, some very uh, yeah, very important things, you know, important huge, huge huge possibilities to you know add meaningful days yep. of life yep. and decrease cost yep. at the same time, right? So, yep. so that's a big one. And you know, with diabetes testing, it's not just when you're just screening, you're just looking at a blood sugar, a fasting blood sugar, right? right and right. so you may get that, and it may come out with a normal number, but your clinician may say, you know what? I worry a bit about you here. We're going to check again, or we're going to look at your A1C, you know, because you know, we might have just caught you at a lucky yep. moment, yep. and the numbers the, the numbers could have been on their way up or on their way down, and we, yep. just, we don't know. So so that's the, that's a big part mm-hmm. of it, too. Uh, and then there's there's things that are really quite simple, like blood pressure check. Well, I mean, you can do that one. at home. That's a big one. In fact, too. doing it at home might might cure your hypertension because you yep. might have yep. hypertension when you yep. go to the doctor and you're in a rush and you're 20 minutes late and you yep. go in there and they always have you sit down for a minute. But if your blood yep. pressure is always high at the doctor's and then there's well, the, the white coat syndrome always, thing. You know. It always is, Dr. Yep. Mark. Yep. Why so, is that? Well, because your blood pressure is stress. I mean, your blood mm-hmm. pressure is never. People say, oh, yeah, I, mean, I have low blood pressure. Well, you know, when you're working out, when you're out on a run, your blood pressure responds to this, yep, right? Yep. Same thing if you're stressed. You know, there are chemicals that we release in, in our bodies that elevate our blood pressure. And so if, you, if you're if you nervous or are or a little overactive getting into that doctor's office, your blood pressure is going to look high. Right. So they're not going to put you on. First time that happens, they're not going to write you a script, most likely. Right. Uh, but they're going to follow it up. And so that's something that you can actually do at home. The blood pressure monitors that we have out there now are, are quite reliable, uh, so long as you kind of have the right cuff and the right... Yep. Right setup. Yeah. So, but but those are the kinds of things that we can do for ourselves and our family um, that are routine. We know that they help. We know that early detection is helpful. Yes, and early you know, it's really really yep. uh, the definition of how we can live a healthier life. Yeah, exactly. And you know that kind of sums it up, Doctor Mark, because everything we do in value based is about preventative care to right. try and avoid oh. those acute. Right. Conditions and and the, the insurance companies absolutely recognize that, yes. and that's why they reward the physicians. That's that correct. When their yep. patients are more involved in preventative care, it's been a great show today, Doctor Mark. Absolutely, Carlos. Thank you so much for Thank joining you for us. Having us, it's yeah, a pleasure. We'll have you back. Looking forward to it. See you next week. See ya. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now.